Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. It is I, Jeff Jawaskin, host of Classic Conversations, bringing you this bonus episode of Crossing the Streams, live segments from our live show we do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You're invited, but you're also invited just to sit here and let us beam it right into your ears. What is Crossing the Streams? Well, have you ever asked yourself, what should I be binge watching next? Well, you've come to the right place because that's the question we answer. Head over to our YouTube channel. Over 85 hours of binge watching TV show suggestions await you. This episode has segments from our live shows. Episodes 80, 83, and 82. Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Ninja 3, The Domination. And Archie to Riverdale and back. Just some awesome casual conversations with my co-hosts and frequent guests to the show. We just chat about shows, and you take it in, and then you go watch them. And then you love them. Thank us later. That's what it's all about. Up first, friend of the show, Tim Besiegel. You love him on the Funny Science Fiction Podcast, but now you can love him here as he talks about Star Trek Strange New Worlds from episode 80. Take it away, Tim. We're going to move right into Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I wonder who's going to do this one. This is Tim from Funny Science Fiction. This is- <laughs> it takes time. So this is actually kind of a, um, odd for me to be sitting here talking about Star Trek. This is probably, I have never, it's Strange New Worlds, oh. uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. <laughs> but I have never been a Star Trek fan. I don't know what's fan. wrong with me today. <laughs> ah, don't worry about it. Close enough. I, I have never been a, a, a Star Trek fan previously i i liked the the last couple jj i call them the jj trek movies the ones that jj abrams did i liked two things prior to that i liked the wrath of khan and i liked the episode called space seeds where we meet khan past that i had no use for star trek uh, up until recently and i got into this series i don't even know really why yeah i don't even know really why i started watching it but i did i sat down and started watching strange new worlds and i have very much enjoyed it so you can find it on paramount plus right now uh, you can, I think you can also get it on Amazon Prime, but you have to pay like $1.99 an episode if you don't have part of their premium package there. But this is set like, I think, a decade to maybe two decades ahead of time before we meet Captain Kirk and the, the rest of the, the Enterprise crew, because this is supposed to be on the Enterprise and we do meet Uhura, we do meet Spock. And but so far, that's all of the from what we know of the original series uh, of the cast and crew that we've met. Uh, but Pike was it, when the original came out pilot episode, Pike was the captain of the Enterprise for that. He didn't screen test well. They got rid of him, brought in William Shatner. And then you can see him again. I think it's in two episodes of the original series called the Menagerie. It was a two part and he comes back for that. Yeah, it, it, it's really well done. It feels from everything that that I have been told. It's more like the original Trek series than a lot of the some some of the newer ones that have come out, like Discovery and things like that, where other people have had issues. I can't speak to that. I've never watched a minute of of Discovery. I can't tell you how this compares to that or even Picard or anything. I, but I will tell you what this show has done. It's convinced me to go back and watch the original series, despite my disdain for uh, all things William Shatner. 
So Shatner's um, classic in that. Series. He is. So you, know, you can't. You can't knock William there. Oh, sure you can. Here's the thing. I don't care for William Shatner. I don't care for his acting style, but I like the character. I like Kirk as a character. I like who and what he stands for and all those things. He's basically James Bond in space at this point. You know, I, yeah, if it was somebody else, I probably would have liked it more, but I do like the fact of what we're seeing in this up ep- in these episodes of strange new worlds is something that ties into the stuff that I'm also seeing in the original series. And there's a direct connection to it, not only just between characters and things it takes a little bit to get used to, in my opinion, Ethan Peck, Gregory Peck's, uh, Peck's grandson as uh, Spock, mainly because the first episode, like the first scene of him there, here's Spock without a shirt on. He's cut. He's ripped. He's like, hey, how's it going? You know, you never really see that as Spock. But how do you, you know, know you didn't watch the original series? <laughs> I'm assuming that Leonard Nimoy, you know, never, never. How many Spocks are there now? There's like six Spocks. Oh, well, no, there's more than that because there's one. Um, Discovery has one, too, I think. Yeah. And the Inter- I think the Enterprise show has one as well. I don't know. But yeah, Nimoy, it, he, Nimoy was cut. I mean, that dude, did you ever see him without a shirt on? Jack. Negatory. Like, but I'm going to take your word for it. Straight. Just, <laughs> I'm not going to go Google that either. Yeah, I'm not Google searching that one. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy, shirtless. Yeah, that, that can never go right. It's. I believe it's, it should be, what if Leonard Nimoy was shirtless? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a couple episodes in this in particular that have really like taken my attention there's a couple early on episodes that i like but especially the last two episode eight episode nine the season uh the season finale comes out tomorrow morning season nine or episode nine if you haven't watched it yet this is your spoiler so close your ears for three seconds it's basically alien versus predator versus star trek it is amazing it's it, honestly i said wow a lot during the episode wow i was owen wilson wow wow, wow. Wait, is, uh, it, is, is this all in the first season this is all the first season yeah ill so it kind of hit it hits close to home if you do watch it and you have somebody in your life who's chronically ill maybe get some tissues handy it gets right at the heartstrings man very solid show very enjoyable and for a uh uh rabid star wars fan it seems odd for me to say hey go watch star trek but yeah go watch star trek all right cool and uh don't worry we are uh going to have that meeting with you next week tim um the council has spoken in regards to your change to Star Trek, so <laughs> has, any, has, any, has anyone else here seen this version of Star Trek? I've seen ads for it, but uh, that's it. All right, so it does take place before it's Pike. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to make sure, Tim, Pike's you're not you're not anti Shatner and pro Hayden Christensen, are you? No, Hayden. <laughs> yes, actually. Was, I actually really enjoy Hayden Christensen. I oh. he was just he was given a bad script. Okay. I mean that's a whole other show, but that's that's but yeah. Star Wars. I no, know. I mean I'm talking about acting styles. No, I, I I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that's a whole different argument. That's that's a whole show in of itself about you know you working with the script that you're given and the material that you're given and working with the direction you're given. There's a whole rant I have about how George Lucas is a wonderful, wonderful, inspiring man who has great ideas but should never be allowed to write a story or direct a movie. So no, it's it's uh, it's a good point. So uh, Shatner story. So the last Motor City Comic Con, William Shatner was at it, and you, for one hundred twenty dollars, you could buy the picture, and then they tell you when to come back. So on Friday, the first day of the convention, you could buy it for one hundred twenty, and they're like, "He'll be here at four. And then I go, "Will he be here? Oh no, you can get in line at four. Will he be here at four? Uh, sir, we don't know when Mr. Shatner will be here. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You just asked me for $120 and asked me to then show up three hours later 
I was just curious if he would be there. Sorry, didn't realize I crossed the line. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then, oh, so here's the funny thing, right? So they had him in this good spot. But the other three spots that were around him, if you picture like an area with like four main you know, areas, were the three guys from Scream, Matthew Lillard, Jamie <laughs> Kennedy, and the guy, the killer, I can't remember his name, uh, from the first Scream. Matthew Lillard, you would think he literally was the biggest thing at this Comic-Con. You know, he was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, right? Mm -hmm. And like the line for him, anyway, they ended up moving Shatner the next day because the three of them together were so popular and loud <laughs> that he had to be moved. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, it's a little ego blow there. That was funny. Anyway, all right. Well, sorry. That was good. I, I will say the best Star Trek uh, storyline of all time was the floating restaurant in space on Saturday Night Live and Dana Carvey's con. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what was it? Easy seat, yeah, that was the best line, you know. And then the other thing is, he goes, he he recognizes Chekhov. Me, he recognizes Chekhov, but Chekhov wasn't in Space Seed, the episode, so he never actually met him. So a little continuity but error. But he's the, the superior segment. intellect, so he probably knew yeah. of him. I'm the superior. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Let's move Try on. Try telling all your right. wife that. <laughs> All right, check out Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Thank you very much, Tim. Up next, we're going back in time for Archie to Riverdale and back. This is one of mine. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Take it away, mate. Speaking of short and sweet, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about Archie to Riverdale and back again. What is right. this? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in 1990, TV was graced with one of the best backdoor pilots ever to grace the screen. Archie to Riverdale and back again. A backdoor pilot is what many TV movies potentially were, at least back then, where they run it and they're like, oh, well, if this does good, this is really the first episode of a new series. But we're not going to tell anyone that. But if it does great, it'll just seem like a reactionary thing. But that's planned. So this was meant to be sort of a 30-something Archie mm. ongoing television show. So it takes place. They're not in high school. For those watch Riverdale, that's the show that's on these days. This was the first live action Archie. Nothing before this uh, brought them to life. So I rewatched it recently because the current guest on my show, Gary Kroger, was Reggie in Archie to Riverdale and back? He played isn't that, uh, isn't that Reggie your podcast? Man. What? Yeah, it's on, on, on my podcast. Yeah, you look, at the podcast. Board. look at the shameless my, my podcast, Classic Conversations. <laughs> uh, Gary Kroger's on, so we talk a lot about it. We, it's a fun conversation because he's like, Really? I mean, no one ever asked me about that. I'm like, Oh, I'm asking. <laughs> I, I, this was like the movie where I remember this was 1990 where I fell in love with Lauren Holly. She was Betty and Karen mm. Copen was Veronica. And they basically it's it's basically they all come back to Riverdale and they're all grown up. Archie's married or yeah, I think he's married. One of them might be have been divorced. You know, so it's like, you know, they're later. And, you know, it was never resolved between Betty and Veronica and Archie. So there's kind of that going on and they seduce him. There's a lot of seduction going on. 
Because Betty nice. and Veronica, they want Archie because Archie's having problems with his marriage. What is this rated? Let me put stuff in perspective because I don't think it's fair. <laughs> so this is 1990. So that was it was mm-hmm. 41 years ago, 42 years ago. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, there's actually it no. Was, it was not 41 years oh, ago. Oh, thir- I'm sorry, 31 years. <laughs> 31 years ago. So the uh, thank you. Math on the fly is not my strong suit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, the audience score for this on Rotten Tomatoes is 40. 44%. Now, Strong. there isn't even a critic review, but there is one critic review which says an oddly interesting misfire of the Archie universe that purposely misunderstands the comics as a means appealing to 80s audiences. Now, this was written in 2017, which, if I do the math correctly, is 27 years after it was done. So, in wow. hindsight, yeah, you know, sure, in hindsight, you can have opinions. You have to do it. I experienced it when it was actually on TV. And Mm -hmm. and there is a link to it in the in the notes. If you're if you see the the notes that go with the uh, the stream, because it's on YouTube. Somebody was kind enough to film it on their VHS. (laughs) It's a VHS film (laughs) thing. It may have actually even been filmed on the you know camera pointed at a TV. You can imagine the size of the camera. At the time. So this was directed by Dick Lowry, who mm. did uh, Smokey and the Bandit 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which okay. does Pira- not exist in my Pirana, mind. <laughs> no juice, no nothing left. Piranha 1, not Piranha 3D. Gambler, the gambler. Everyone loved it. The Kenny I mean, Rogers was, movie? Yeah. yeah, well, he, yeah. Was good, that was he a good TV movie. He did part three and four. He didn't do one. He did part three and four. <laughs> right. But these are based on the classic characters. There's a lot of throwback. And I tell you, I rewatched it and I loved it. Now, it may have been part nostalgia, part whatever, but I thought it was fun. And I think it could have been. It could have been a fun TV show for back then. Keep in mind, it's the 80s. You got to watch it and go, this was the 80s at its Wait a minute. best. I thought, I thought it was 90s. This, this was the 90s at its best. <laughs> uh, I, which is well, I, a I'm, very low bar, I think. I, uh, I mean, was, Parker Lewis can't lose is kind this of was in that 19, ah, A couple of years removed from BJ and the Bear. Thing, sugar, sugar, and the thing. So you can't, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. they are the Archies. They are a yeah. band. And they do get the band together. Sam Whipple plays Jughead Jones. <laughs> Wait, um, that's what I wanted to know. Who the hell is Sam right? Whipple? <laughs> well, Sam, if you look him up, you'll know who he is. He uh, actually, uh, unfortunately, he up. died in 2002, just oh. uh, four years before this movie was made. No, I'm just kidding. He was the makeup artist in the Larry Sanders show. He's got like a lot of things. He died of cancer in 1941. Uh, oh, 1940. Yeah. He died. <laughs> I can't. I, what's wrong with me? He died in 2002 at he the went age back of 41 in time. of cancer. <laughs> but he's he, so he's Jughead. And then Gary's Reggie. And then uh, now just to give you an idea of the movie and the 90s, and I picture the 90s. Do you remember Benson? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the lovable governor, uh, James Noble in Benson? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's Veronica's dad in this movie, and he's the bad guy. So you can imagine the 90s villainy. Is that a word? I just... Coin yeah, it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, if, if it's a new word, somebody register it for me. Huh. And uh, use it on Wordle. <laughs> Here, here's the whole cast. Look at the whole wow. cast. 
It's Christopher wow. Rich is Archie. And look, it's it's got old fashioned yeah. fun. Yeah. Pops, yeah. Uh, the soda shop is in yeah. is being threatened and is gonna be destroyed. <laughs> and Archie is now a lawyer and he goes to court to try and save it. But Reggie, who's the bad guy, he's trying to, you know, do Reggie's uh, the bad guy now. Yeah, yeah okay. well, you know, you know, he's the antagonist. And like yeah. uh he comes around at the end. I don't mean to ruin it for everyone, but he, he comes around at the end. And, <laughs> and if and but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I I just I really I thoroughly enjoyed it. Are there sharing of banana splits in this? It <laughs> might have been. I mean, it makes it makes you want to eat. It makes you want to eat a Sunday. I'll tell you that. But Archie's a Riverdale back. You got to find it on. You got to find it on YouTube. You literally just search Archie's Riverdale back. It's almost like they start streaming it automatically. They want you to watch it. And uh, so it's all good. It's all good. And uh, Gary uh, Kroger's in it, fresh off Saturday Night Live. So you know you, you can't you can't miss with this th- movie. Can I tell you, this guy here who plays Archie looks like a dime store Tom Hanks. He does. Yeah, he does. He was in uh, Boston Legal. He was in a few was other he? things. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Huh. Dime yeah. store Tom. Why? What? What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I love these quirky movies. That was from live episode 82. Let's wrap things up from a segment from live episode 83 with frequent guest Larry Roberts. He's a powerhouse, always brings the energy. And this time he's bringing it to Ninja 3, the domination. And this explodes into an amazing conversation. Take it away, Larry. Let's go into one of the probably most important movies ever made ever. Ninja Three: The Domination. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's very, very important to me individually, and it's funny because every time I come on the show, I want to say thank you for having me back. This is my third time here, and each time I've highlighted a movie that came from the '80s, early '80s, as a matter of fact. I think my first one was Flash Gordon, which was smack dab right there in 1980. Uh, my second one was Teen Wolf, which, ironically enough, came out in '85, and now Ninja Three: The Domination. It hit us in '84, so this was a very pivotal time in my life, and ninjas, in my opinion were the very first superheroes. And they were so relatable to a skinny little kid that always got picked on and knew that if I could just be Daniel-san, I could rule the world. So ninjas really spoke to me. So I was a huge fan of all the ninja movies back in the day. But Ninja 3 The Domination stood out above all the other ninja movies. Because really, it's a combination of not just a ninja movie, but you get some flash dance action in there. You get a little bit of The Exorcist in there. And then you get some great Shokasugi action sequences. And if you don't know who Shokasugi is, he's one of the stars of the ninja series. If you think back to the 80s, there was Enter the Ninja, there was Revenge of the Ninja, and then to round out that trilogy, there was Ninja 3, The Domination. And also, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's really the production house that I really love more than anything. The movie was produced by Golan Globus. And honestly, if you think back to the 80s, they had their hands in just about Every big movie cookie jar there was back then. Anything from Missing in Action with the Chuck Norris series. They did the vast majority of Jean Claude Van Damme's movies. They uh, did many Stallone movies from Cobra to Over the Top and so many others mm. in between. And there's also a relatively distant tie to the last movie that I talked about, which again was Teen Wolf. They actually produced Teen Wolf 2. Now, that was horrible. Jason Nobody loved Bateman. that movie at all, but they did actually bring that to the forefront for us. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Ninja 3, The Domination. But, but can I ask you, I, I, I obsess about these things. Yes. It'll make me crazy if I don't know. Who who uh, who starred in Teen Wolf 2? It Jason was Jason Bateman. Bateman. Jason Bateman, okay. 
Yeah, Jason Bateman came in for the sequel and it was terrible. And it actually did quite a bit of damage to his career for a long, long time before he had an opportunity to make a comeback in another role. Uh, it was it was it was just that bad overall. Yeah. It was, I feel it was horrible for him. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So well, I hope he finds his footing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they said he's trying to make a comeback. They said yeah. he's, he's trying. So <laughs> make a few bucks out for him. It works out for him. Yeah, um, he has but a good he, career now. You're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of in the swamp, okay. isn't it? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> That hurt. Sorry. Um, but the Ninja movies again. Oh, look, my lights just went off. You know what? My lights are on a timer, guys. And it's night night time here at uh, Shea Robert. So let me turn my studio <laughs> lights back on. There we go. I'm back in the house. But the Ninja movies, they always were, were awesome for me. And I love Ninja 3 just because, again, of the of the mix. And it starred someone named Lucinda Dickey, who at the time was the girl for Golan Globus. They were going to make her a big star if it killed them. And that's actually what ended up happening. They collapsed long before she became a big star. Oh. But, she, but she also starred in one of my other favorite movies of all time, which maybe someday I'll talk about, Breaking. Because I always wanted to be a break dancer too, so I wanted to be like a break dancing ninja. I don't know what I wanted to do back then, but she was she was the female uh, star of Breaking. And if you really want to go deeper, she was also a solid gold dancer. She was solid Ooh, gold. Oh. So, solid I mean, she was also gold. in Breaking too. She was in Breaking Two and Grease Two. Electric. She was to electric, electric boogaloo. boogaloo. Electric boogaloo. I mean, even for me, uh-huh. that one was over the top. They just they jumped the shark with <laughs> with electric boogaloo. But we won't get into that. But she starred here in Ninja Three: The Domination alongside Shokasugi, and as a big fan of ninjas back in the day, literally my bedroom was covered in Shokasugi ninja posters because they also had Ninja Magazine back then. What if I haven't seen Ninja One and Two? You don't need to see Ninja One and Two to jump right into Ninja 3, The Domination. If you know what ninjas are, you're good to go. That's all you need to know. But this one's super cool because it starts off with an assassination attempt on a golf course. And to demonstrate the power of this assassin ninja that's after what you believe is probably a politician or a high-ranking official of some sort, the ninja intercepts his ball and he literally crushes the golf ball into powder in his hand to demonstrate that power. Now, as a kid, that was amazing. But I think as adults, we all know that that's never going to happen. But that seemed to be a recurring theme throughout the movie because the ninja later on in the movie crushes a pool cue, a pool ball, not a cue, but a pool ball in her hand because what ends up happening is the assassin ninja, he gets killed by a bunch of police officers, but right before he dies, he runs into Lucinda Dickey who just happens to be working on a telephone pole at the time. I I don't know how that came into the mix, but he ends up passing the sword to Lucinda Dickey and also not only passes a sword, but passes his spirit to her and he possesses her. And he possesses her (laughs) as a way to go back and kill all the police officers that killed him in the real world. So the whole movie is laid out with Lucinda Dickey being uh, basically possessed by this, this ninja spirit. And she goes around killing all the cops that killed the ninja. And now we have to bring in Shokasugi as the good ninja. And then he has to get the spirit out of Lucinda Dickey to fight the bad ninja. The bad ninja comes back to life and they have this big epic battle. And then the bad ninja finally gets killed. And then he spins around like Wonder Woman in a circle for no apparent reason whatsoever. Buries himself in the (laughs) desert. The desert opens up, swallows Shokasugi. They fight again in this crevice in the desert before Shokasugi eventually kills him dead. So uh, it's an amazing movie filled with tons of 80s nostalgia. And if you love action scenes, I'm telling you, some of the action scenes in this movie, ninja, there, there was tons of ninja movies back then. But the action scenes in this movie were done really, really well as a 35-year martial artist myself, I can pick out some wannabe karate people in the movies and understand when they're trained and not trained. And I can tell you that the vast majority of the fight scenes in this movie were done by skilled martial artists. They look beautiful. They're done well, uh, as well as can be for a Golden Globus movie. The editing kind of sucks, but overall, it's great action sequences, a lot of fun, and just a tremendous mix of a variety of different films all slapped together and called a ninja movie. 
So that's Ninja Three: The Domination. Really? I have a I have a question about the main character. Did they ever get the dicky out of Lucinda? I need to know. <laughs> no, uh, she was no, possessed. Got, <laughs> I'm pretty confident. Uh, I was going to say something really sexist, but I'm pretty confident that's how she got the role in the first place. But, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. <laughs> it was 1984. <laughs> I, I want to point out two highlights of that review. One is when you said kills him dead. Yes. I love that. That was great. Yes. As you can kill him a different way. Well, he died once in the movie already, and he's yeah. still alive. So this kills, time he's killed definitively. Kills him dead. And then the, my other favorite part was how you answered Jerry's question so seriously. Like it was a serious question. Could, did I see one and two? Can I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You, and you answered it without seeing it as if it was a serious question. And hey, I, man, I'm serious about my I ninja thir- movies, damn it. I thir- thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. I, I liked one and two. Too. I didn't like three. It kind of lost the plot. A oh yeah, in the third yeah, one. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm so not sure. I, I'm not. I'm not sure anyone gets as passionate about this these topics as Larry Roberts. I get I, fired up, man. These movies, I, these are my childhood. These are my life. Honestly. Oh, I, I, I feel you. I, I'm I love it. Okay. I'm I love the same way. So I remember seeing those were 83 84 85 were my prime you know freshman sophomore years of high school and i was you know very it was nothing to be i wasn't kissing a lot of girls apparently Uh, a lot of friday and saturday nights at the movies with the boys a lot of those movies you mentioned like i i saw i remember vividly seeing revenge of the ninja in the movie theaters the delta force i saw in the movie theaters runaway train was another golden globus that uh I i believe that was um that I remember seeing in the movies. So those were huge. Those were, were um, you know, it was, it was, it was back when Schwarzenegger was doing, you know, a movie every three months that wasn't a blockbuster. Raw Deal, yes. Commando, yes. Um, you know, Predator was in there too. Predator was not the cultural icon it is now with everybody knowing Get to the Chopper, you know. So it, it, those, it was constant action movies at that time. And these, these were relatively low budget films and, yeah. uh, you know. That's what it was just every weekend. Good. good I mean, I'm so passionate about it. I belong to a Facebook group for Ninja 3 The Domination, and I belong to a Facebook group (laughs) for Canon Films. I just love Canon Films. Yeah, yeah, there's a group. There's like five of us that just freaking love it. There's a group for everything. So, speaking of kind of a genre, they did break in, had success with it. If I'm not mistaken, then they did break in too, but then they also did rapping also. Yes. They which did. was, I think, a crappy kind of wannabe version of Crush Groove. Yeah, uh, 100%. They did rapping. And it, I mean, I don't, I don't even recall, honestly, I don't remember it being at the theaters in my town. I mean, I think I found out about it years later yeah, and ended up seeing it either. like on a bootleg VHS or something mm. good. I don't ever remember rapping being in the theaters. Yeah, I don't either. I, I like, and then, you know, of course, kind of a competitor or copy of the breakdancing genre movie was uh, Beat Street. 100%. That was a copy yeah. of Breaking. So, well, yeah, see, it's, is, it's interesting how, there because my era as well. Me and one of my, my best friends, Jeremy James Dodd. Jeremy, if you're watching right now, you know, I know you love Beat Street, but I still say Breaking's better. It, it's There were two different genres. Beat Street was kind of filmed as being more of a <laughs> more of a legit street film. Like, it was from the streets of New York. Whereas Breaking, that was kind of the hood in L. Actually, it was in L.A., to be honest with you. And if you really want to dig a little bit deeper, guess who was in Breaking? Many people don't know this. Many people do, though. At the dance scene at the very first of the movie, we see for the first time ever. Lucinda Dickey. I'm sorry. She was in it, yes. But Jean-Claude Van Damme 
oh. made his movie debut in the movie Breaking. You can see him dancing in the <laughs> sidelines on wow. at the beach scene. So he's just kind of getting his little <laughs> JCBD groove on. It's awesome. All right. Well, I think the only way to figure out which one of those Breaking movies is the best is a dance off. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, that was awesome. Thanks, Ninja guys. Three that was Dom- fun. Where can, we, where can we see Ninja 3 The Domination? It's available on Prime right now. So if you have a uh, subscription to Amazon Prime, it's you don't even have to rent it. It's available on Prime. Fantastic. Our viewership just dropped to zero might, as people run to Amazon Prime. <laughs> Everybody just signed I up might Facebook. Just, and- I, might just do a, uh, I might just do a Ninja Watchathon. All right, Larry, bringing the ninja energy to crossing the streams. Thanks to Tim for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And, of course, Archie to Riverdale and back wraps up this episode. You guys got a lot of homework in front of you, so I'm going to let you go. Go head over to your couch, grab your favorite spot, grab the remote, cross your own streams, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.